Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thanks, Wendy. And let's pray together. Father, thank you. Uh, Little Psalm, five verses, uh, great stuff here. Pray you'd help us to understand this right, and we pray it might make a difference uh, to our praising and our praying to you, not just tonight, but for every day in the future. Amen. Um, I love Psalm 100, and it may be that you are uh, thinking, oh, I think I've perhaps um, seen some of those verses before. Uh, In fact, there are quite a lot of other people who love Psalm 100, and they do so without actually knowing that it's Psalm 100. Because if, for instance, you're a traditional Anglican, and you're used to doing canticles, chanting stuff after readings and so on, you would have chanted Psalm 100. It's the Jubilati in the Anglican morning prayer after the New Testament. And Jubilati means, oh, be joyful. Or it could be that you know the hymn, all people that on earth do dwell. That for about 450 years, that's been going strong. Um, it seems, I don't quite understand why it uh, seems so somber when it uh, should be such a joyful thing. But actually, that's based on Psalm 100 as well. And uh, uh, it's a great psalm. And uh, I've asked, actually, if we could uh, have the sermon a little bit nearer the start of the service this, this evening. Um, because there are seven commands here. If you look on the back of the, um, the, the service order, the, the sheet here, you'll see there are seven verbs. There are actually commands which are here in Psalm 100. So I thought that would give us a neat structure to what we're going to be looking at, for, uh, uh, at this evening. And the first one of them is simply shout. Shout. Look at verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And it's not just shout as in angry. Um, I looked up that picture, uh, the, the one I had before was a bit fuzzy, so I changed the picture on that. And uh, there's so many um, on Google, Google Images, and the shout, and lots of people being angry. We're not talking about being angry tonight. We're actually talking about being shouting for joy. And you see it, don't you? You see it in sport all the time. Someone scores a goal or a try or they take a catch. Uh, or they uh, you know, take a wicket or something in the ashes, or, or someone gets engaged, or you get married, and, or you get the job, and so on. And people just say, yeah, they're shouting for joy. Um, and then we witness on television, don't we, when it's kind of slowed down, and you see all this, uh, these high-speed cameras and so on, they slow things down, so you can actually see them, people uh, shouting for joy in slow motion. See it all the time. Well, I want to say, all that that stuff is really quite trivial compared with what we celebrate every Sunday, every day, in terms of our salvation, in terms of our eternity, in terms of our hope. 
And Christianity engages every part of our existence. So we can see here in Psalm 100, it engages our emotions. Shout shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. It talks in verse 2 there, come before him with joyful songs. It engages, look at verse 3, it talks about engaging our minds there. So it's not just our emotions, Uh, being Christian people engages our minds as well. And look at verse 4, it talks about enter his gates with thanksgiving. They were probably using this to go up to the temple in Jerusalem in order to worship God, so it engages our bodies You used your body to get here tonight and to sing God's praises, for instance. So being Christians and worshipping God actually engages us at all sorts of levels of our being. That's the way we are. And it says here about having glad hearts in verse 2, about having joyful hearts, being in verse 1, the end of verse 2, and so on. And that should be a characteristic of what we're like because we are a people saved by our great and our merciful, and our kind, and our generous, and our loving gods. And it's worldwide. So um, have a look at the end of verse 1 there. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That little phrase there, one one of the guys who writes about these things, he said, that is claiming the world for God. It's lovely, isn't it? Claiming the world for God. And this commandment is a commandment to the world to shout for joy to lords. So it's a command, for instance, to North America and South America and Africa. It's a command to Asia and Australia. It's a, it's a command to Novosibirsk. Although I didn't quite get that right, Matt, did I? But anyway, we'll work on it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a command that the world should shout for joy for the world, uh, for the, to the Lord and for all he is, all that he's done for us. Uh, wherever people have responded to God, the command here is shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, very often, when we look at the book of Revelation, we think, it's a picture of heaven, and we think of people singing, don't we? Singing God's praises in heaven. Actually, there are a number of times in Revelation where you think it's going to be saying that people are singing these things. Actually, they're saying them, or they're saying them in a loud voice, or they're shouting. Uh, Heaven's going to be, seems to me, quite a noisy place, full of exuberant praise of God. Shout for joy the Lord. Second thing here, I'm going to whiz through fairly quickly because we've got quite a lot of things to cover in these seven, is worship. Worship. Um, there was a, a first century philosopher said this, if I were a nightingale, I would do what is proper to a nightingale. And if I were a swan, what is proper to a swan? In fact, I'm a rational being, so I must praise God. I must praise God because of who I am, because of who God has made me. Karl Barth was a great uh, theologian, German guy, said this, Christian worship is the most urgent, the most glorious action that takes place in human life. So as we've met together tonight, we can do it on our own, of course, life is worship. But he says it is the most glorious action that takes place in human life. So we've been joining in together this evening, and we will do so when I sit down in a little while, in the most glorious action that takes place in human life. That is an extraordinary thing to be saying, to be thinking that we're doing together, isn't it? The most glorious action that takes place in human life. And uh, the, the word that's translated worship there... Worship the Lord with gladness could equally well be translated serve. That's why we have an evening service and a morning service. 
That's what we tend to call them in church, isn't it? Because our worship of God is our service of God, and our service of God is our worship of God. It's our response to Him. He has saved us. We love Him, and so we serve Him. We worship Him. The same thing. And part of that, for instance, is singing His praises. Come before Him, in verse 2, with joyful songs. Now, that actually carries the idea, people who know these things, say that carries the idea of singing out, of singing loudly. And we are so restrained, aren't we? But actually, and, and it's right and proper that there are times in our services when we should sing quietly. But actually, there are also times when it's right and good and proper that we should make a, a huge noise together, that we should be singing out at very much at the top of our, our voices. Um, I was so struck the first time, we used to go down to Malawi uh, quite a lot to help out with um, the student Christian organization in Malawi. First time I went down there, uh, there were two or three of us turned up at um, a youth camp. They were in their dining hall. There were about 400 teenagers. We just crept in the back of their dining hall. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you, they were singing so loudly. You know sometimes if you go to a nightclub or something like that, you can actually feel the noise, yeah? Well, that's what it was like in that dining hall. We could actually feel the noise of these guys singing, teenagers singing. And I just said, I want to take you guys home with me because uh, I think you can teach us a, a thing or two here. And, uh, uh, and the command here is it's not to be quiet. It's not just to murmur along as we're singing. So I, I try to sing loudly. Sorry, um, Olive, Nancy, David, I'm sitting right behind you tonight. But I guess you can hear me singing, probably, unless I'm crying. So, uh, uh, you know, you can... Um, and I want to encourage us to sing loudly where it's appropriate to sing loudly. That's what the idea of verse 2 is, Okay. And then, it also carries the idea, look, have a look at this. Uh, have a look at their faces. That's a liberation day uh, in France at the Second World War, okay? Now, look at the faces. And we have been liberated. We have been liberated from our sins and from a life wasted, and we serve God joyfully, and I think when it comes to our singing, loudly. And it's that kind of reaction, that kind of emotion that I hope we feel. We may not always show it, may not see it on our faces, but that's the kind of emotion because our liberation is something far greater even than what happened in Europe in 1944, in the early part of 1945. Shout. Second. Sing. Worship. Third. Come. 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 Look at the end of verse 2. It says, Come before him with joyful songs. Come before him uh, with joyful songs. Now, do you know the song, Come Now is a Time to Worship? Yeah, Come Now is a Time to Worship. Yeah, you know that one? Yep. Yeah. I, I don't like that, and I do like it. Oh, I don't like it because in saying now is a time to worship suggests that there are lots of other times which aren't the time to worship presumably. That's wrong, isn't it? Every part of our life, any moment in your life is a time to worship, okay? But I do like the idea when it says at the end, it uh, it ends by two or three times, it's come, 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 at the end of that song. And I do like that. 
Because actually it's, it's saying it's a good idea to meet together and it's also saying it's a good idea to come to God specifically with him in mind in order to bring him our praise and our worship. Come deliberately and consciously. Come to God in mind and heart and soul. Come to God and ask him that by your spirit, by his spirit in our lives, we may be able to be worshippers of him. Pause as you arrive at church. Pause and think and prepare. I mean, it used to be when we arrived at church, didn't it? You'd come in cautiously and carefully. You'd been given a hymn book. You'd come and sit down. You would pray. And then you'd sit quietly for the service to start. Now we have coffee and donuts. Um, But that's not a bad thing. But I want to say, are you prepared? Are you prepared when you come here? Will you sit down a little bit early, perhaps before the service, just to focus and to say, Lord, I'm coming now to bring you my praise and my thanksgiving tonight. But it's also saying, come to a place. Come to a place. Um, When it was written, they'd have been going to the temple or probably to the tabernacle, the great big tent they used to worship God before the temple was built. But it also means meeting with God's people. So it's talking about coming uh, week by week. And it raises the significance simply of being here just meeting week by week by week with God's people. It's where I belong. So we come. We come together. Uh, Now is the time to worship. Yes, it is. Of course, now is the time. Every time is the time to worship. It's an all right song, actually. It's good to sing it. So shout for joy. Shout, worship, come. The fourth one here is no. 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 In other words, understand. What do we need to know? Look at the beginning of verse 3. Know what? Know that the Lord is God. Know that Yahweh, that's the capital L-O-R-D in our Old Testaments, in our Bibles, is God. He is God. He is the one God. He is the only God. This is like having firm ground underneath our feet. Um, in In the old prayer book, it's translated, Be ye sure. Now, if you go up on the downs a moment, especially with all the rain recently, it's very muddy. And if you're on bare chalk, wet chalk gets to be like soap, very slippery. But this is saying it's not like that. It's when you get onto the grass, which is solid, and you can be sure of your footing. That's what it's talking about. And it's good to be on solid ground, something to be sure of. So look at the end of verse 3. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Know that. Be sure that God is our God. Be sure that God made us and that we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, look at that little A in our church Bibles there, about halfway through. And it says at the bottom, it could be, not we ourselves. Now, that's in, we are, it is he who made us and we are his, or it is me, he who made us and not we ourselves. And apparently the difference in the original between those two phrases is like the difference in English between a full stop and a comma. It's a tiny, tiny little difference in the original. Which is most likely to be the original? Personally, if you look at the context, I won't go into it in enormous depth, but I think it's much more likely to be what the margin says at the bottom. God's. He is the one we know. Know and understand this. He is our creator. You didn't create yourself. Know that God created you out of absolutely zilch. 
brought you to existence. Know that in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. Know that God did that. He, it is he who is, who is ours and we who are his. And we come to worship our great, magnificent and wonderful creator, God. Shout for joy. Shout. Worship. Come. Know. And uh, the fifth one is this. Enter. Enter. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, most Jews reading this originally would have, would have thought of the temple in mind here. So come to his temple as his sheep, as his people, in awe and wonder and humility and worship. And, uh, uh, and it's saying here, look, you've got, to, you've got to be thinking about what you're doing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Now, as we think about this, when he's talking about the courts there, a Jewish person reading this would thought, well, there are different courts in the temple. There's a, there's a court of the Gentiles, which is uh, just anyone can go. And then a little bit further in, you've got the court of the, uh, of the Jews, because that's nearer to God. Of course, Jewish people are thinking, we're close to God. And then there was a great big curtain, and behind the curtain, there was the Holy of Holies, which represented where God was. And this is saying, enter his courts with praise. Whichever court you're going to, enter his courts with praise. And we know that when Jesus died, the curtain which separated everyone, Jew or Gentile, from the Holy of Holies where God was, I'm not suggesting God's, that's any more holy up there, okay? That's just plain ordinary. Anyone can come on the blue carpet here. It's not a holy in this particular place. But in the temple, there was a curtain there which separated where God was supposed to be specifically there from everyone everyone else when Jesus died because of the cross that curtain was ripped in two which meant that anyone could go to any part of that temple at any time and have complete and direct and wonderful access to God come by his spirit in our hearts we can come to God completely fully and absolutely at any time you like any time you like, come. So come, know that this is the God that we're going to, enter into this great no-restrictions place where we can meet with God in our hearts. And then number six is give thanks. Give thanks. Look at verse four. Uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving, give thanks to him and praise his name. And we need, with God's help, to cultivate thankful hearts. It is a simple command of God to be thankful, isn't it? That's good for us. It's what we want to do. I wonder, from time to time, if we have a a kind of like a spiritual MOT, and we can ask ourselves how we're doing, and one thing to ask is, uh, am I still giving thanks? In the New Testament, as Paul writes to different churches, not just in Paul's letters, but uh, there's an awful lot of thankfulness going on. He so often starts with thankfulness. And as we enter the church building, to come to church, for instance, let's start with thankfulness. As we come to God to pray, let's start our prayers with thankfulness for who he is and for all that we've received at his hands. Shout, worship, 
Come, know, enter, give thanks and praise. Praise. Praise his name. The end of verse 4. Why? Well, it's in verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And the old prayer book again, the end of verse 4, says, give thanks to him and praise his name. It says, give thanks to him and speak good of his name. Speak good to God of what he is like, is basically what it is saying. That's the reason we praise and thank God. This is the reason we're joyful. This is the reason we're glad. Because God is good. Because he loves us. Because his love endures forever, goes on and on and on and then on and on and then on and on and on. His love endures forever. He's faithful. His faithfulness continues through all generations. No matter what we're facing, no matter what's happened to us, no matter what we've experienced this year, this month, this last week, he actually is continuing. His faithfulness carries on. And no matter what 2018 possibly beyond as well. No matter what they hold in store, God is a faithful and wonderful, loving God. A lot of joy and thankfulness looks backwards. But actually, it looks forwards too. And this looks ahead. You see, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues. It's not just looking backwards. It's looking ahead as well. His love and his faithfulness continue to the future. And we're looking ahead as well as looking back because we know God, because we know what he's like. And we trust God for the future because we know that his love and his faithfulness won't change. And they will carry on forever. No matter what horrible or wonderful circumstances we find ourselves in. Seven commands. They're not just for tonight, but they are for tonight. They're for all days. Shout for joy. And so as we look at these now, let's just remember, shout Worship, come, know, enter, give thanks, and praise. Let's pray now. Father, we simply pray that you would help us to do those seven things. Please help us do it tonight. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep on doing that in our lives this week, next week, throughout this coming year, we pray. For your glory. Amen.